good to know that the Lord takes us right from where we are and that he loves us the way we are and that he uses us. Uh, he doesn't choose the great and the mighty. He chooses those who are weak and that need him, and he, uh, he uses us. I'm so thankful for the privilege of being able to serve the Lord. Uh, now, the Bellevue has been serving, or serving us, been supporting us for 32 years. So we're, there, we're thankful for uh, how the church has uh, helped us all of these years. And some of you have probably been here for a lot of those years and have been a part of that. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for supporting us. We are just so privileged and uh, blessed to be able to serve the Lord of Lords and to share the gospel. Uh, Dawn and I are church planners, and the Lord called us to go and share the gospel and to uh, do disciple. We do evangelism, discipleship, and draw people into uh, a church. And that is, that's what we've been doing for 32 years. A uh, picture that you see is 32 years old, <laughs> 32 years ago that uh, Don and I went to Bogota, Colombia, first of all, to begin uh, our ministry. We really thought that we would be there until we retired or the Lord came back or took us home. And we were, we were privileged to be there for nine years. And Bogota is, you know, I know that a lot of times when you think of missions, you think of somebody in a canoe or out in the jungle, and we've considered that, but we also considered that we probably wouldn't survive. That's not the way we grew up, and um, I'm not a hunter, and uh, we, we probably would have starved. So we, we, the Lord uh, called us to go to a city, 8 million people in Bogota. There's 100,000 people per 10 kilometers, and their city blocks are, are a kilometer long. Per 10 kilometers by 10 kilometers, there's about 100,000 people. So just people massed uh, and, uh, one on top of another. And the Lord gave us the privilege to begin to share the gospel there. We began in a, with a small group of people that came from uh, another church plant. We worked beside uh, other missionaries who had been there because when we first got there, we had spent a year in Costa Rica for language learning and that makes you just dangerous enough to make a lot of mistakes. And so we were, had the privilege of look, working alongside of other missionaries in a team. And we saw the Lord in nine years. This is a part of a, a group that, uh, that became that church where we're about 500 members when we left there. One of the things that we uh, do every year when we celebrate our church, we have a cross cake. And in that cross cake, Every person that's trusted Christ during those nine years, if you transferred from another church, you don't get to put a candle in the cake. But if you trusted Christ through the ministry of that church, you, you were able to put a candle in the cake. So this is the, at the eight-year mark. People that had trusted Christ to put their candle in the cake. This is um, kind of what Bogota looks like. It's a little wet and cold. It's at 8,500 feet. And so it's uh, a cool place to, uh, to live. It's, uh, it rains just about every day from uh, uh, February to November. And these people are outside to witness baptisms. And so that's what we did. We, would do, we had our portable baptistry that we put together, and we would do baptisms. 
And then the Lord, after nine years, there we have uh, two that were born in Colombia. One is here today. Chad is here, and Chad uh, is an MA here at uh, Bellevue. And uh, he was born in Bogota, although you probably wouldn't know it if you looked at him. But uh, uh, after nine years there, it became uh, even more dangerous. We didn't know when we first went there that there were bombs going off in the city, and there was a lot of things that were happening at that time. But because of that, a lot of people came to Christ. They were very open to the gospel. And there became a time, though, when they were beginning to kidnap uh, children from the city, and that's the reason why we decided to leave our leadership talked with us and, and uh, counseled us that we should leave. And the Lord sent us to Honduras, to, to Tegucigalpa, Honduras. And this is the, at that strip that you see at the, in the middle of everything is the landing strip for Tegucigalpa. If you ever really want a thrill better than Disney, go to Tegucigalpa, Honduras and land, you can feel that landing. It's the only landing that I've been a part of where everybody applauds when the plane stops at the end of the <laughs> runway. And everybody is so thrilled, and everybody is praying. There are, there are, everybody's praying that that plane is going gonna, is gonna to stop before it runs off the end of that runway. And again, our ministry there was not in the jungle. A lot of times when people think of uh, uh, missions, we tend to think of those who, the, that are less fortunate than we are. And we did have a ministry to a church like this. This is a church that's 15 minutes from the church that we started and we supported our church, supported the pastor there, paid his salary. We helped them to, to build their church, to do, redo their roof, to do a lot of things. But that wasn't what God called us to do. We were also worked in the city of, uh, the capital city is about a million people. And the Lord uh, allowed us to uh, see a church over 16 years that started in our uh, living room and with a team of other missionaries and saw it grow to four different church plants with 1,600 people attending those four different churches. This is the church that we started. This is a picture of, the, of one of the services. We had three services on Sunday morning, and we had uh, uh, baptisms inside in this church. And this is one of the cakes of the three cakes. I took a picture of the one with the most candles in it. I'm not going to show you the one with the least candles, but this is one of three cakes that, where uh, people are putting in their candle to show that they had trusted Christ. And uh, we did VBS. This is uh, VBS, children's ministry. Uh, Dawn uh, was in charge of the children's ministry and uh, trained over 70 teachers. We had uh, 250 kids who were involved in our children's ministry. This is our missions program. Our church was giving $50,000 to missions. So outside of our our church was giving out to begin new works and to, begin, and to send other people so that they could share the gospel. This is a, the 11 o'clock hour with a teacher's meeting with Don, their children that are singing. This is a second, the second church plant in San Pedro Sula, the second largest city in Honduras. And this is their cake. So every church plant that we started, we began that tradition of each year the, that uh, people who've trusted Christ because we want them to trust Christ. Just what Sam was saying, and we were talking about singing, that people need the Lord. We wanted to see people come to Christ, and it was a visible way that we could not only see the people coming to Christ, but it would encourage others to, to share the gospel. So it was a great visual 
way for us to, to encourage the church to continue to share the gospel and that they would want to be a part of that. We went back um, in 2020 or 2021 for the 20th anniversary of the church. And the picture of, that you see there are the pastors and their families. And so this is just a, a picture of the, the leadership that we were able to leave behind and the ones who are carrying on the work now. And so this is one of the pastors, oops, I went by that fast. One of the pastors and his wife, uh, another one of our pastors, he was a, a medical doctor who, who became a pastor and worked alongside of us. This is uh, one of the newest pastors that we have. He grew up in our Sunday school, then began to teach at the age of 15 and for uh, over 10 years was faithful every week. Uh, sharing in the Sunday school, finished his degree, and then trained. We have a four-year training program where we train our own pastors in our service in our uh, church. And now he's one of the pastors on staff at the at the main church. This is another pastor and his family that also went through the same uh, training. He's our architect who drew the the plans for the building that you saw before. And this is David and Jenny. He's the pastor who took uh, the role of the lead pastor over the, over the four churches after uh, we left. And uh, Danielle and Jessica, uh, they, they have been here before. They uh, are one of the ones that facilitate a lot of the trips when uh, they go down to Honduras from Bellevue and love the Lord and have started another church plan in Tegucigalpa on the other side of the city after three years. They'll be three years in May they have about 200 people, even, even with COVID going on, they have about 200 people in their church now. This is a couple that are uh, sharing the, the gospel all the time in uh, the schools. It's amazing that in uh, Honduras, you're allowed to go into the public school. They are asking people to come and share Bible stories. And so uh, Itza is a wonderful Bible story teacher. She's probably one of the best the best teachers that I've ever heard, and she has trained others, and they take a group of women now who, from our church who go in and share the gospel in the, in the public school, and her husband has been in that wheelchair. I don't know if you can tell he's sitting in a wheelchair now, but he had a motorcycle accident when he was 18. He's been in the wheelchair for 37 years, and he uses that wheelchair. They told him he's only going to live for six months. And God's kept him alive for 37 years. And he goes into the hospital onto the cancer floor and shares the gospel. And they listen to him because he's sitting in a wheelchair. And he'll go in and see other men who've lost the use of their legs through accidents. And he shares the gospel with him. And he's a faithful witness. Our church in Charlotte, now we have the privilege of supporting them partially and helping them. And they're, they're being used. This is um, one of the last meetings that I was in. There's five uh, well, the, most of these guys are our pastors and our leaders, but there's five men there who are wanting to begin. They've just begun this year our training program to become pastors. So we're constantly looking for new guys who want to be trained, who want to be a part of the ministry, and then we take them through a process. They leave their job. They come and work for us full-time, working alongside the pastors and working with the, and studying with us, and we are and they're, they're our new leadership. They're the ones that are going to go out and begin the churches. So we're, we're, we're thankful for what they're doing. Not everything in Honduras was work. This is the north coast of Honduras. So if they ever offer a trip, you should go. It's beautiful on the north coast of Honduras. 
then we, when we were about uh, uh, five years ago, six years ago now, my uh, stepmom died in Birmingham, Alabama. And I realized, we, Dawn and I realized that our parents were into their 80s and we'd been out of the country for uh, 28 years. And we decided that it was time for us to begin a work in the U.S. and to come back to the U.S. so that we could be close to them and to minister to them. And, but, I, we, but I didn't want to come back and just work at McDonald's or wherever. I really wanted to come back and serve, continue to serve the Lord. And the Lord put it on our hearts to begin a work in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we could strategically come back. We asked the church in Honduras to send us back. We began a two-year transition of training our leaders so that they would be the ones in charge. And we asked them to send us. They prayed over us and sent us back to the U.S. so that we could begin a work in Charlotte, North Carolina for those whose heart language is Spanish. Uh, There are over 41 million Spanish speakers in the United States. We're the second largest Spanish-speaking country in the world here in the U.S. And a lot of those, even though they might be somewhat bilingual or a little bit bilingual, or even if they're totally bilingual, when you talk to them in Spanish in their heart language, you're able to share with them at a whole different level. And as soon as you speak to somebody who's in their native tongue, they, they, they just put a smile on their face and just get, do you speak Spanish? And so it's a, uh, a huge uh, opening to be able to share with people. This is our, uh, where we meet in our church. This is our first cake <laughs> where we're beginning to see people come to Christ and we're beginning to put our candles in our cake. This was after two years, right before COVID. And our, those are the people that were uh, connected to us in our church service. We had had baptisms, had some people that have come to Christ with us. And of course, we always eat, so we had food. And we went to parks, and we went to a flea market trying to share the gospel. We've done a lot of different things. But what we've seen is that the best way to reach people is a friend who shares the gospel with another friend or brings another friend as the best way to see somebody come to Christ. This is our one of our small groups where we meet with a couple And this couple came to our church because of Bellevue. We're meeting in their home because their daughter comes to this church, and she heard that Bellevue had a church plant in Charlotte, got in touch with Dawn, and Dawn called her, and now they're a part of our church, Jaime and Lucila. And we had a study in their home for for the last three years. So there, and the other couple that's in this picture are from our church plant in Bogota, Colombia. They, They were... Uh, we've known them for almost 30 years, 20, at least 25 years since we were in Bogota, and they've moved to Charlotte now, and they're a part of our, of our church. So this, is, this was two weeks ago. We had a really tough time during COVID, a lot of ups and downs with, uh, that's why you, we're going to talk about prayer <laughs> and how important it is for you guys to pray and to pray for your missionaries we had, we church planning is kind of like a roller coaster, and you have highs and lows, and you see people come, and then you think it's going to grow, and then it crashes, and nobody comes the next week, and so you just need to pray, pray that um, that your church planners will continue to be strong and continue to share the gospel and not quit. This was two weeks ago. We had a Valentine's friend day 
and ask people to come and ask people to share. And we had 60, 62 people show up. That's, a, that's one, of our, one of our best days. And so we had a wonderful time of, of sharing. This is the room that we meet in at Carmel Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. They allow us to go in at one o'clock and we meet there. We have space. This is the, uh, the room that we meet in. But our goal in the end is we want to have a big cake with candles in it. That's what we're, that's what we're shooting for, is that we're going to see a lot of people come to Christ. And we truly believe that people need the Lord, and we want to share with them. I would like to share with you some thoughts out of Acts 19, because I don't want you to say you came to church and we didn't open the Bible. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 19. And, I, and we so need to be involved in how we are going to be able to, how we are going to get involved in, church, in sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel with everyone. Everyone needs to hear and everyone needs to have a chance. I think one of the errors that we make is that we make decisions for people that we see and we think that they'll never listen or they don't want to listen or that they're not, they're not going to respond or they're going to get mad. And so we're already thinking in our mind reasons why we shouldn't share. And we've already taken a, made a decision for them. We need to let them decide for themselves whether they're going to trust Christ or not. We need to let them de- decide if they're, go- they're going to uh, sh- receive Jesus or not. Don't decide for them. Let them decide. Just be faithful to share. In next 19... Paul's had this wonderful ministry of sharing the gospel in Ephesus, and he's had a a great ministry. He's been there for a while now, and then trouble comes. And I think that's the reason why we need to continue to pray. There's always going to be opposition to the gospel. There's always going to be difficulties. There's always, why? Because everything goes against the preaching of the gospel. If you notice, there's, uh, you can talk about absolutely anything except Jesus, in our tolerant society these days, you can talk about anything you want to, any religion you want to, except for Jesus Christ and how he died on the cross. And so we have to be uh, continually put, keeping the main thing the main thing, that people are going to, that we are going to be faithful to, to share the gospel and, and that we're not going to give up or give in, but we're going to continue to share. Opposition comes because everything goes against it. Let's look at, um, we're going to start at the riot, okay? This is, we're going to start at verse 21. Verse 21 says, Now after these events, and these are the great things that he had done in preaching, all right? After these events, Paul resolves in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I, have, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. So the, he's reaching, his goal is to reach the unreached. He's already had his wonderful ministry here in, in Ephesus, but he wants to do more. He wants to see other people come to Christ. I'm sure that many of you have served the Lord for years. Many of you have, have served the Lord with your, with, with your time, talent, and treasure, but don't quit. That's what I see in Paul. He hasn't quit. He ha- he's not saying this has been enough. I've enjoyed this thing in Ephesus and it's time to coast and ride this out. He's already planning on the next step. He's already planning on what, what does the Lord have for me? So he wants to reach others, reach the unreached, have a plan. 
He's thinking about the different spots he wants to go, where he wants to travel, who he wants to talk to. He's, he's hoping to get to Rome. He's thinking of new opportunities and how he's going to share. Recently, we've been going through the Gospel of John in our, in our church service. And John chapter 4 hit me really differently this time. The Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And Jesus uh, uh, talked to her, and she went back into to town and took brought all these people out. We all remember the story, right? Right before that, the disciples had gone into town. How many people did they bring back? None. They brought bread, but they didn't bring any people with them. So what did she do? She went into town and said, I've met this great, this guy. You've got to come meet him. You, he, you see, this guy must be the Messiah. Okay, the disciples had met Jesus too. And they had spent more time with him than that woman. She just met him. They knew all about Jesus, and they knew, they thought they knew who Jesus was, but they didn't say anything. They missed out on the whole opportunity to share. Why? They didn't even see him. They went into town and they're hungry and they're buying bread, and they're not even thinking about the opportunity that's right in front of them. But this woman did. This the most unlikely witness, the most unlikely person. And she brought them all. Was the harvest there? Yeah. Did they miss it? Yeah. But we've got we've to look for those opportunities. We've got to make those opportunities that, that we're going to, to share with others. So here comes the attack, all right? Verse 23. It's uh, about that time there arose no little disturbance. This is, this is Luke's understatement, Okay. No little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business, another understatement, to the craftsmen. Those he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades. He said, men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying their gods made with hands are not gods, and there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may be even be disposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. So they, he's... Uh, uh, Stirring them up, but the same thing that always comes about. We've got greed and religion mixed into this. What are, the, what are the two things? We should not be surprised because of this attack, right? There's always going to be opposition. And you see their greed. They don't want to lose what they have. They don't want to lose their business. And they don't want to lose their, their idols. So they don't want to lose the money that they're making. And they don't want to lose the worship, the religion that they have. Those the same problem that we have today. This is 2,000 years ago, but same problems that, that they had then are the problems that we have today. Men who are only interested in themselves and the things that they can get, they're not interested in the souls of men, and others who are so blinded by the religion that they have. And a lot of times when we would go to share the gospel, some would, would ask us, what right do you have to go and share the gospel when there are, these people have had their religion for many years. Their, their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents have been believing one way. What right do you have to talk to them about Jesus? Well, Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go. 
That's the right that we have to go and share. We do have the right to go and share. It's been given to us by the Lord of glory, the one who owns it all. We have the right to go and share with everyone because they need to hear the good news. So we shouldn't be surprised. Look at verse 28 and 29, what happened, the reaction of these guys. It says, when they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, so that the city was filled with confusion and they rushed together into the theater, dragging them out, or dragging with them, excuse me, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, I can't say it, Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. So they are enraged. They're so mad that they're dragging these guys into the, in, into the theater because they're, they're cr- causing this riot. So why is it that people get so enraged? Why is it that people get so mad when we talk about Jesus? Why is it that, that people get so, so frustrated and, and enraged? Because they're lost. Because the God of this world has blinded their eyes because they're sinners, and sinners do what their father does, the father of lies. We have lies, we have deception, we have greed, because man's heart is full of sin, and we can't lose track of that. We've got to remember that what we're dealing with is a world filled with sin, and sinners who need Jesus Christ. And even though the people that you see may look good on the outside, you have to, and they might, I mean, these guys were rich. These guys were making money. Even though they look good on the outside, remember that their heart is is filthy and they need the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single person needs the Lord Jesus Christ. Man is desperately wicked. And then, so they're in this uh, this, uh, theater and then listen to verse 30. It says, but when Paul uh, wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the, uh, of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. This is one of those things where you really, we really need prayer for your missionaries, your church planners. Why? Because it's so hard to know what to do sometimes. Paul wanted to go in, and he, was, he thought he was the obvious one to go in and to talk to them and to tell them and try to calm them down. But they told him, no, don't do it. They're going to kill you. And so sometimes prudence is the best. Sometimes we need to listen. Sometimes we need to, to uh, hear other people. I already told you that we decided to leave Bogota when um, we were told that the kidnapping and the, the danger, and we talked and we listened. Other people have different situations. Your missionaries, most of them, are in difficult situations where they have to make decisions of whether they stay or leave. We're all praying for Ruk- Uh, Ukraine right now. And a lot of them are are missionaries who are trying to decide, do we stay? Do we leave? What what do we do in these these situations? That is so difficult and heart-wrenching for people to make those kind of decisions. There's others because of COVID are trying to make decisions right now about whether they stay or they leave because they're they have the vaccines that they have to give their children in order to stay. And there's missionaries right now struggling with whether they should leave or stay. Difficult situations, difficult, uh, heart-wrenching decisions. We need to pray for them. And here's Paul. He's, he, I, I don't know that we always see him listening, but this time he did. This time he listened to them, and he, he decided that the prudent, the best thing was not to go in. And he didn't go in. So it's not, but it's not easy. 
That's why we need to pray because there's not always a textbook to tell us exactly what we should do. We have to follow the leading of the Spirit and to know what He wants us to do, and it's not easy. We had a difficult situation in Honduras as well. We've been robbed four times, and we were robbed one time at, at gunpoint after we'd been there for five years. And most of the people there thought that we would leave, and we decided to stay. And God gave us 11 more years. How do you know whether to stay or to go? All you can do is pray and ask the Lord to direct your steps. You need to be praying for your missionaries, and there are some situations right now that are, that are so, so difficult. Prayer is, prayer is the essential. Okay, verse 32. Uh, it said, uh, after, after he, di- he, didn't, he wouldn't let him go in. Okay, I'm getting there. Verse 32 says, And some cried out one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion. And most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted uh, Alexander whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, all they cried out with one voice, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Okay, so now they put forward another guy that was one of them, but also a Jew. I mean, he was from there. He wasn't Paul. but And he tried, but it didn't work. For two hours, they're screaming and yelling. Guess what? Sometimes things don't go the way we think they will. Sometimes things don't go well. Um, Well, I can tell you for the last four years, we've been struggling to start our church in Charlotte. I gave you the good news that in the last few uh, months, we've seen people, eight families come to our church in the last five months. And we've, we've had 62 people. We have about 70 connected to us. But I can also tell you in the last couple of years, I've quit about 10 times. I just never sent my letter. And we just, I just, you know, just thought, I can't do this anymore. And you need to pray because things don't always go right the first time. And they didn't go right for him the first time. I remember we started our church in San Pedro Sula. We sent a team and we had about 80 people gathered together. And we just could not sustain it. We could not uh, we didn't have the, our leadership in place in order to see that church grow, and we had to close it down. Hard, hard decision. We sent a second team, and that team didn't work either. We sent a third team of, uh, five years later, and that team worked, and that, now there's a church of 250 people there. You just, but how do you know? How do you know when to go, and how do you, all you can do is pray. All you can do is pray. Look, look um, now one more part. Okay, Uh, this last part, we're going to read it, read through the end. Okay, and when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, who is there? Okay, this is the town clerk. Okay, who is there who does not know that the city of Ephesus is temple uh, keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we really are in danger of being charged with, with rioting today, since there's no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly, just like that. He, the God used a pagan, he didn't, he didn't use Alexander and he didn't use Paul, but he used this clerk who just walked in and said, you guys really need to go home. 
And they did. And they listened to him. And sometimes your help comes from the strangest places. Sometimes it's the person that you least expect because people pray. And God works. God's, the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. And he turns it just uh, like rivers of water, the way he wants it to go. We, not only can we pray for, for our, our missionaries, but we need to pray that, that God will direct the, the affairs of men, nations. We know as we're praying for, for Ukraine and praying that God will work a miracle. That's what we need to do. Pray for your missionaries. Pray that, that God will use them. Pray that, that God will use them to, to carry the gospel that lives will be transformed. I want you to know that prayer is essential. And all of you can be involved. All of you, all of us need to be involved, praying for one another, praying that we're going to use every means possible to, because I do believe the time is short. I do believe that we, we need to, an urgency about getting the word out, that people will, will, will hear the gospel. Realizing that the results are in God's hands, we never, we don't know how things are going to go. I, I thought by now that our church would be at a whole different point than it is, and, but the results are in God's hands. My responsibility is to be faithful, and we need to all be faithful, faithful to that the Lord will, will do his part and that I'm going to do my part, right? And it's so difficult to know what to do, when to go, when not to go. Pray for wisdom. Pray that, that God will give your, your missionaries great wisdom to know what they are to do. I want to pray for us as we close. Thank you for your, your love for the Lord and for being here tonight. And if there's anyone here that needs prayer or needs to uh, make a decision of any kind, if you have a desire to be a member of this church, if you're not already a member, or for baptism, or maybe if we had a service tonight where we asked people to put a candle in, you wouldn't be able to put one in because you've never trusted the Lord. Tonight is the night. There's no better time to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sam is going to be down, here, down front and ready to talk with anybody who wants to talk. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you so much for using us, no matter who we are, and the, um, uh, our, our abilities or our lack of abilities. But if we're willing, you uh, use us. Thank you so much, Father, for your love. Thank you so much for our opportunity to share together. And I pray if there's anyone here tonight who doesn't know you, that tonight could be the night that they would put their faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.